0: Oh, wait a minute! Wait a minute! That's a terrible call. That is a terrible call! Brown steal. Jalen field. Jalen. Candles out! Gets your a- head tated- Tatum. Tatum off the bounce. To the basket! Come on, refs, get with the game! Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to Celtics Pod. I'm joined by Brendan. It's always good when Brendan jumps on the pod. He's taking a bit of time out in his lunch break to get this done. It was a tough one. Uh, the, the box got out to an early run, run out early. Another slow start by the Celtics. Credit to the Celtics for keeping their heads up and fighting all the way through, clawing that back to somewhat to keep the scoreline a little bit more respectable. But, Man, this was a tough game. Uh, Gordon Haywood was not feeling it. There's going to be a conversation about that in a moment. Brendan, how you doing, man? What's the weather treating you like out in uh, Northern California?
1: Uh, It's very up and down, man. Yesterday it was pouring rain and today it's blue skies. Who knows what's going on over here? Uh, I don't check the weather enough, so who knows? It rains, I wear a bunch of clothes, uh, hoods and all that, and then it's way too hot. I have no clue what's going on with the weather. Kind of like I have no clue what's going on with the Celtics. Uh, They are extremely up and down. Like you said, they were really getting beat at the start of this one. And then they come back and bring it close. There was a funny tweet. I want to say it was Jared Weiss saying that uh, whenever the Celtics have a terrible game, Marcus Smart just has like a Steph Curry type performance. (laughs) And, you know, he's five of 10 from three in this one, 24 points from him and, And his other backcourt partner really went crazy in this one. Kemba with 40 points and not a single one of those in the first quarter.
0: Yeah, I remember watching that first quarter and thinking, this isn't Kemba's night. He had a poor, not a poor night, but he had a tough night in Detroit. He's still kind of recovering from that flu. I mean, he hasn't, before the game against the Bucs, he hadn't really shown the Kemba that that we were getting used to seeing. And then he just goes off, dude. I mean, some of the stuff he was doing was crazy. He was getting to the rack like nobody's business, bro. Obviously, he shoots from free. Sometimes I feel like he forces the issue a bit too much from deep, but he was getting it done.
1: Yeah, uh, Max Carlin has definitely pointed out then with, that when Kemba gets a switch, he hardly settles for a jumper. A lot of the time, he'll blow right past the guy and make sure uh, either to get to the foul line or just to get to the get to the rim and hopefully get a nice layup attempt there. But yeah, he definitely, uh, this year, it's a lot different than what we saw in Charlotte. Pretty much every time Kemba comes off a screen, uh, if a teams are not showing or in an aggressive enough drop or switching on them, if if it's a drop and they're a little too far, Kemba is pulling it at the three point line. He's not bothered by the guy that's coming behind him. And yeah, I mean, 40 points in this one, man. And I don't know, uh, how much you want me teasing something you might have coming out, but you have a little theory about uh, Kemba and Hayward playing together, right?
0: Yeah, so let me premise this, and I really want to stress this point. By no means am I saying that Kemba Walker being on the Celtics is a bad thing. By no way am I saying he doesn't fit. But the premise of of what I'm writing about at the moment is more along the lines of, with the team that the Celtics currently have, a pass-first point guard would have been ideal because there's so many touches and so, only so many shots that can go around. And at the moment, it seems like it's your turn, my turn, sort of basketball. Tatum will have a game where he goes off, then Kemba will have a game when he goes off, and then Brown and Hayward. If we're lucky, we get two out of the four of those guys, and that's a good problem to have. But at the moment... With the way, especially with the way Haywood played last night, whether that was by design or that was him just trying to be passive and get out of everybody's way, there's my personal theory is to move Hayward to the bench and have him run a point forward role he if he's the primary option as he kind of took it upon himself to be in Detroit, he's absolutely phenomenal the way he can like. Pull that step back in mid range the way he can run the pick and roll, he loves to run a drag screen, and you'd see that more you'd see more assertiveness out of him if he didn't have the option to defer so I'm not saying that he's mentally scarred from the injury, but if he does have any lingering doubts, and that's kind of why he passes up like good opportunities, take putting him on the second the second team, pulling him off the bench. And then removing the possibility of having somebody like Tatum that he can defer to and putting him as the number one guy you 're going it 's going to force him to start driving to the lane more taking that contact and he was doing that earlier in the year to be fair on the first first team yeah. I keep saying first team you know what I mean um, he was doing it early until he got his hand injury and he seems to have regressed a little bit in his willingness to take that that impact and So from there, yeah, I want to see him coming off the bench, running point forward. I'm going to be diving into the numbers a bit more. But at the moment, it feels like when Hayward has a good game, Kemba's quiet. When Kemba has a good game, Hayward's quiet. They're both playmakers that like to run the lanes. And they both, when they're hot, they can both hit it from deep. It doesn't seem like those two guys fit great together at the moment with the pieces that are around them.
1: Yeah, I don't think that they necessarily are causing problems with each other or anything, but I don't think it's optimized. And I think that's kind of what you're saying here. And do you have a guy specifically in mind that you would prefer starting over Hayward in this hypothetical?
0: I mean, the logical the is to have Marcus Smart move up into the, to the starting right. lineup. Part of me is really up for that because obviously he brings the defense. You want him guarding the best player. The one thing I will point out, though, is Marcus Smart's been in the starting lineup for a majority of the Celtics' slow starts, so it doesn't exactly solve much there. What it does do, though, is it, again, it forces Hayward when he's coming off the bench with that second unit to be that number one option. He, do, I know that Brad's m- most likely going to stagger Brown or Tatum to kind of be with that second unit as well, but it relieves, it eases that pressure too because Hayward isn't sitting at that point. At the moment, he likes to keep Tatum on with the second unit quite regularly. I prefer yeah. Tatum to be sitting and to run that through Brown, and then he can. Def- and then you've got guys like Brad Wanamaker, Grant Williams that can hit shots when necessary. And with with Hayward's playmaking and the way that cantor has been running the slip screen at the moment, those two have got like a nice little thing going on. That it could be, it could be a really good match. We saw Brown get sent to the bench last year. And become the guy one of the first guys off the bench. And Brown flourished in that role, to be fair. So maybe it would work well for Hayward too.
1: Yeah, and I think that you could do what you're saying without uh benching him and him not being in the starting lineup. But I think like you said, where you kind of stagger them, and if Hayward's just the first guy out, you know, like three, four minutes into the game for smart or Uh, You could throw one of Grant or Shemi in there. I mean, the best time to have those guys in there is when they're surrounded by these other superstars. Uh, So I I think that you could pull off what you're saying. If you just had Gordon kind of the first guy onto the bench, um, and then he still is fully running that second unit and he doesn't necessarily need to be out of the starting lineup in order to do that.
0: Oh, for sure. That's definitely an option. Uh, It's, Another point that I'll be pointing out as well. I'm not saying that Hayward should be moved to the bench indefinitely either. I'm just saying at the moment, the team are moving closer and closer to a point where experimenting kind of really needs to stop and you need to really start seeing the cemented rotations. So while there's still a time to experiment before the track... Because I always look at it as like, you can experiment with your rotations up until the All-Star break after the all-star break I I personally I like to see rotations start to get locked in so if Brad does want to experiment with that if it is an option that he's considered obviously I don't know what Brad's thinking he's a much smarter basketball brain than I could probably ever wish to be but if it has crossed his mind and he then now would be the time to start experimenting with that
1: yeah and I think Hayward's enough of a professional that he could take it the right way it wouldn't mean that he's not closing games or anything and like you said Um, I totally agree with your trade deadline uh, time where you kind of want to stop experimenting, but it's still going to happen for a little while. Um, I have not seen a coach experiment as much as Brad does. He also has a lot of questionable guys in that second unit. And that's mainly what I'm talking about when I say experimenting, like Grant only getting seven minutes in this one. Uh, Romeo not playing at all. Javante Green gets minutes. You know, right now, Carson Edwards is in the G League. At times, he's getting NBA minutes. So it's mainly experimenting with that second unit here. Um, And yeah, I think having Gordon in there, who probably is the best playmaker on the Celtics uh, in regards to setting up other people, uh, definitely could be helpful. But I wanted to ask you about guarding Giannis in this game because Milwaukee is a team that Boston's going to have to go through if they want a real shot at a championship or even getting to the NBA Finals. Milwaukee is probably the best team in the NBA. You know, they're on a 70-win pace, which is just insane. Who do you think did the best job of covering Giannis last night? I know it's a team effort, but...
0: Well, just to kind of give a little bit more info on that, did um, Coach Bud at the end of the game, actually talk to Marcus Smart, talk to his defense, and how he thinks that the way Smart plays Giannis is actually probably the best way to play Giannis and how it's going to force Giannis to need to improve further moving forward. So, wow, I missed
1: that quote.
0: Yeah, the quote um, basically went along the lines of, I think everybody on the team, so in brackets, that would be the books, loves the way Marcus Smart plays. He comes hard every night. The way he plays Giannis, he makes every possession, whether it be um, coming off a screen, whether it be driving the lane or whether it be passing the ball. He makes everything hard. He gets under him. He gets physical with him. He's not afraid to put his body on the line. And Giannis struggles against that. And Coach Budenholzer genuinely believes that playing against Marcus Smart is what's going to force Giannis to go to the next level because those two will see each other a lot. So um, it was a really good quote. It was um, very complimentary towards Smart, which is great because he's getting that recognition, especially following the glove, giving him some love um, against against Detroit after Detroit. So... Mm -hmm. He's getting a lot of um, media recognition now. Coaches obviously love him. And I genuinely believe that nobody on that team can play Giannis the way that Smart can. Uh, Another reason I think Grant didn't see much of the floor is because Grant Williams isn't ready to guide a guy like Giannis. Right. Uh, Personally, I don't think that either Tice or Cantor are capable of slowing him down either. I'd like to see him get tagged more on his drive, like when he's playing off-ball. He doesn't seem, people don't seem to be tagging him when he's trying to cut. Like, you want to be as physical as possible with Giannis when he's off ball because as soon as he's got the ball in his hands, he's going to draw a foul. Which,
1: right. I mean, who's the physical big for the Celtics, though? You know, like Cantor is, but Cantor is a terrible defender. I mean, he's, he's kind of better than, I guess, what he is known for because he's known as just being one of the worst in the league. And I think he's a little bit better than that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's the physical presence for the Celtics, right? And there's no way he's slowing Giannis down.
0: Throw Vincent Poirier on him and just let him get big and heavy. He's not going to be able to hold up with him speed-wise. And this is more of an anecdotal suggestion. Uh, I genuinely don't believe it would be very successful at all. But at least try it right. He's big, he's strong. He's also European, so maybe he can like channel some European juju that's flowing through the league <laughs> at the moment because the Euro guys are lighting that stuff up. But yeah, yeah, I don't think there is a guy that's physical enough who's classified as a big to hang with Giannis. And that's part of the reason that a certain section of the fan base is calling for a trade for another big. I don't think it's going to make much of a difference personally. I don't think that trades uh, as as necessary as what people suggest simply because I don't know who you're going to get that's going to be able to stop Giannis. And that's the problem, dude. I mean, Marcus Smart probably does the best job.
1: Right. There's not going to be a good big that the Celtics get that's better than Daniel Tice. Um, and the main issue, I mean, we've said this over and over, I feel like we're beating a dead horse, but uh, that the Celtics just don't have the contracts to be matching salary with these guys that people are throwing out there. You know, Drummond, uh, I know we're both against that in general, uh, but they definitely don't have the money to get to what his 20 to 30 million, somewhere in that range. Uh, Steven Adams is about $24 It's not going to happen. The rumor that makes more sense to me, uh, and we've talked about this a little bit before, is that the Celtics being interested in a wing, just someone that can do something off of the bench. Like all of these guys are so inconsistent every night. You don't know what you're getting from the Celtics bench aside from Cantor and Wanamaker, and both those guys aren't major impacts. Um, I know where
0: this is going.
1: Yes. So I have a hypothetical trade. And we're talking about a wing. Um, he's definitely a four. He's a stretch four here and an absolutely elite shooter. He's on the Kings. We've said before, I cover the Kings as well. Um, I've watched this guy a lot the last two years. He's been absolutely phenomenal this year. It's Nemanja Bialitza on the Kings. He is a lights out three-point shooter. He's shooting four and a half of them a game this year, 43%. He's fourth in the league in guys shooting at least four threes. Um, I don't have all three names in front of me, but I believe Marcus Morris and Davis Bertans are two of the other ones. We know um, a lot of people have been high on Bertans, but don't see... uh, I know Washington's trying to bring him back. Bialica is a pretty similar player here. He is not good on defense. I, I don't want to give anyone that impression. He's actually pretty terrible on the defensive end, but If you're talking about this, just somebody that can actually put the ball in the bucket in the second unit and take some of the weight off of the starting four guys, then he definitely can do that. He has a really complete offensive game. And would the Celtics be willing to trade Milwaukee's first round pick that they own? It's going to be the 30th pick. You know, this draft is not good. I've heard that it's somewhat deep, but it's definitely not uh, very talented and, the Celtics are trying to win right now. I mean, can you really fit another semi-Ogele draft pick in? I guess you could, but part of the plus of Bielitsa is that it's not just this year. It's not an expiring contract next year would be another uh, year on his deal for 7 million. It's a non-guaranteed and yeah, it's only 7 million this year. Say the one I had put out there was semi-Ogele Vincent Poirier and in the Milwaukee first. I mean, would you consider that?
0: In a heartbeat, dude, one of the main problems with this bench at the moment, and you've alluded to it by saying that you don't know what you're going to get each night, is it's hella young, bro. Having a guy like Bialica, B- 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 <laughs> <B-L-E-T-A>, yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: there we go. Having a guy like him coming off the bench that you know can hit the free and can stretch the floor and allow guys... Like Gordon Hayward running a point forward for that unit, I'm going to, beat the, I'm going to die on this hill. Um, it's going to allow him to do far more and it's going to create that opportunity and really solidify that bench unit. So, I'd, and to be honest with you, Semi Ogile has had flashes this year. Uh, he's looked a bit better at times. His shooting's become reliable. His defense is passable, sometimes it's respectable. But I feel like Shemi would actually benefit from being moved to a team like the Kings where he might see the floor a little bit more. Vincent do you think he'd see the
1: floor? kind of, maybe. I I mean, I think that the Celtics could, I mean, the Kings could kind of use a three and D. Like, they have Ariza, but Ariza's not cutting it. He's just washed at this point, to be honest. Um, I mean, really, the piece for the Kings would be that first round pick. And would you be comfortable giving up a first for the elites. And the part of the reason I feel comfortable with that from Boston's point of view, like I said, is it's not one year. You get two years to this guy.
0: Yeah, and it's not exactly like a huge pick either. We're saying a box pick, right?
1: Right, the 30th pick in the draft. It's practically yeah, so it's a not second exactly.
0: Rounder. I'm not, yeah, dude, I'm more than up for that. Especially, like I say, because this team's so young at the moment anyway. And it's it's a deal that runs next year. It's also a cost-controlled deal for an, a very good shooter. I, I could see right. this. I, I I personally, had, I'd like that trade.
1: I also had another uh, person in Kings Media pitching it being Cantor instead, um, but I, I don't know. I mean, that it's kind of interesting. You'd have to feel comfortable with Robert Williams as that bench big, or Poirier, and both of those guys have either been not available or not playing. Um, what do you think about that compared to, I mean, if Shemmy's not there, then and Bialica is there, hypothetically, he's your backup four. Can Grant play the backup three or does that kind of put Grant out of this rotation or maybe Grant is that backup five?
0: I'm not sure that Grant's ready to play large backup five minutes. Uh, maybe in the future, he has done quite well as a backup four. The only thing is maybe he could play the free Brad likes to experiment though. And it's a good question. Personally, I feel like trading away canter is actually a negative impact unless there's another five coming in the other way simply because you you lose rebounding massively from that second unit if he goes and he's not replaced Time like time lord would be a solid if he'd continued and stayed healthy and played the way he was
1: i wish he did
0: then it's a different story right i mean he was playing really well at one point he was getting spoke about quite regularly. He, he still had lapses. He's young. He's a big, big takes time. Big, young bigs take time to develop. But personally, I feel like moving Cantor without bringing in a big, and especially moving him for somebody that's probably a worse defender that isn't going to provide you the rebounding that he does. And that down low presence that has kind of, when the, when the going's got tough, cantor has been the guy to come in and really steady that ship on the offensive end. You can feed him the ball down low and he'll give some guys the smoke. Um he done it, he destroyed I mean Wendell Carter Junior was injured, he weren't playing. Uh so that Mm kind of changes the narrative a little bit, but he absolutely bullied the balls down low in Cartage in Wendell's absence. But it's games like that when you really need him, right? When he actually comes in and he's a a net positive for you.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I think that Cantor is uh kind of needed on this team for this year because they just don't have a replacement big currently, like you're kind of alluding to here. And another guy that interests me, and I don't have uh, a trade idea in front of me, and part of why we have to look at like a Bielitsa type player is because of, like we said, it's so hard for the Celtics to match money, match contracts in these trades. Um, and yeah, Bielitsa being $7 million. Another guy that really interests me who absolutely went off last night was, is Malik Beasley. On the Nuggets, um, he's a great three and D guy. He's getting slowly worked out of the rotation. He's gotten a couple of DNP's uh, because the Nuggets are just over overloaded with wings, uh, trying to get Michael Porter Jr. minutes as well. But he's a very solid three and D two. He's six four, um, plays good defense. Like I said, last year five three point attempts on forty percent. Um, just under 40% from three this year as well. He's definitely a good shooter. He's cost controlled because you'd have his restricted rights. Um, but those are the type of guys that the Celtics need to be looking at. I, I like this. If any trade is going to happen, and I think we're kind of mentioning this because there was just a bunch of, you know, first trade of the season really kicked off yesterday with Jeff Teague. I know that there was the Clark and Exum, Clark, Clarkson and Exum trade, uh, but, there was a lot that sparked off in regards to rumors yesterday after uh, Jeff T, Gowen, Crabb, Travion, Graham. So, yeah, I think like Malik Beasley is another guy that somewhat interests me. But the Celtics, I mean, again, the reason that we're looking at this is because of those bench struggles. And maybe your idea of moving Hayward there could help, uh, help with those struggles.
0: I'm going to die on that hill for at least the next two weeks. And then I'll see how I feel after that. With the, with your, you raised a really good point, though, if Kanta was to get moved in, and they bought in a guy like Bielica, Bailica, whatever his name is. Um, <laughs> what does that mean for Grant? It's a really good point and one that I hadn't considered much. I'd have to sit down and look at the rotations a bit more, probably mess around on popcorn machines, see what other positions he's played, how successful he's been when he's played there before really coming to a, a solid opinion well, an informed opinion at least. Um, Guys, that's a really good website as well, popcornmachine.net. You can look at any, and this isn't like an ad or anything, it's just something Brendan and I use sometimes. Um, You can look at any game and see every player's help value, which is assists and rebounds, points production, who they were on the floor with at the time, and you can really get a feel about who produces when they're on the floor with who. You can see the plus minus for each lineup that was on the floor for that moment in time. It's a, it's really helpful tool when you're trying to work out rotations. So uh, definitely check that out. Let me let us know your thoughts if you feel like Williams could play the three or the five.
1: If if Popcorn Machine wants to sponsor us, I mean,
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, talking about sponsors, we're gonna take a quick break so you can hear from some, and then we'll be back. Okay, so you've heard from the sponsors. That was nice. So, yeah, I mean, did, what was it now, last five and seven? Yeah. Oh. I
1: mean, this is, I mean, they started really hot, right? Like, better than we kind of expected the Celtics to be this year. Um, But you hate to see them even out by losing to bad teams.
0: Yeah, and another part of it is the injuries, dude. They just can't stay healthy. I mean, against yeah. Detroit, it was basically like a load management game for Jason Tatum, right? I mean, that was how I took it. It was like a scheduled injury, if we're gonna if we wanna kinda coin that term. And then to do that, only to lose Jalen Brown for the next game that you've just rested Tatum for, you've had you've had Haywood be out, Time Lords out. Kemba's missed time. Everybody's missed like portions. So they haven't got a chance to build that continuity, to get that fluidity. And they looked really good when they started the year coming out of training camp. Brad said before, uh, Brad actually said when Vincent Poirier got back that when they were rotating three bigs, which obviously was Tice, Kanter and Time Lord, he felt really good about that rotation. Brad Stevens said he thought that added a really good balance to the team and he had options to counter other teams' uh, schemes depending on how they wanted to play. So I genuinely believe that Time Lord's actually been a bigger loss than what people are giving him credit for just because Brad was so reliant on having that hockey-style rotation of bigs and how he's been forced into playing a more, like a more... a more What's the right word I'm looking for, Brendan? A, regular, a more regular type yeah, of rotation. That's the word I wanted.
1: <laughs> yeah i i think that that definitely hurts and especially because time lord is the long-term option out of those guys like how really having him i think has been understated here um because poirier i i think i'm kind of starting to see i mean we've always sort of pushed for him to get minutes uh but in the few minutes he gets here and there in garbage time you do kind of see he's just a little slow, you know, like clearly Brad is not liking what he sees from him in practices.
0: No, uh, he does look like he can run the floor quite well, but he's just not, his reactions don't seem up to NBA, NBA speed. And maybe right, that's, that's something, mainly what
1: I meant, like lateral quickness and rotations are slow rather than foot speed.
0: Yeah, and they, they have that from Cantor already, so I just don't see the need. Yeah. One thing I do want to point out, and I wrote an article about this, uh, I think it dropped yesterday, maybe. Was Tice. Tice has become so integral to the way this team runs the offense. It's ridiculous, dude. He's like setting the, the high pick and roll between um, Tice and Tatum, Tyson and Hayward, and Tyson and Kemba. All four of the like, Tice and each one of those guys have such a good understanding. And the way they're running that high pick and roll, the way, and they also seem to be running quite a few double stacks and some slip screens. They're really Tice is really becoming like a silent assassin off ball at the moment, and I'm all for it. He's he's not getting the credit he deserves for the work he's putting in without the ball in his hands. Hockey assists at the moment. If he got hockey assists over the last few games, he'd be leading the East.
1: Yeah, um, he's the one. You know, you talk about injuries. He'd be the worst one to lose, probably. I mean, he. We talked about needing a center and said earlier you're not going to get anyone better than Tice. You also get a lot worse after Tice when you're looking at the rotation. Um, So, yeah, he would definitely be the worst one to lose here. And then I'm curious because I haven't been able to watch to the same extent that I would like to, um, as in-depth as I'd like to, which I know you have been. What have you thought of Romeo's kind of sporadic minutes?
0: He comes ready to play, dude. I'll give him that much. Like, it doesn't matter if he's playing for two minutes, ten, twelve you're getting the same level of effort. He doesn't seem to let his minutes, his sporadic minutes really get in his head, or at least that's what it seems like. When he's on the floor, he's a ball of energy. He's hounding guys on D. He seems to really read passing lanes quite well. He got a nice... I'm sure it was him that got a nice block. I think it was against the Bucks actually, or the Pistons. It was one of the two. I watch these games at like five in the morning, so sometimes they blur into one after a day or two. Mm. Um But yeah, he's been really good. He's shocked me on defense. I feel like his defense has been more of a talking point for him or should be more of a talking point. But that's mainly because he's not getting many touches on the other end of the floor. Uh, He definitely looks like a prospect, though, dude. Uh, I can see why they're bringing him along slowly. And I feel like that's probably the best bet, especially with the competition he's got for minutes at, at the best of times anyway. But there's definitely right. At something some point, there.
1: maybe he can be that bench scorer that we're kind of searching for.
0: I mean, that's what the Celtics were hoping for with Carson Edwards, and it hasn't worked that way. Uh, right. I mean, I was on that hype train to start the year. Uh, I'm quite sad. Honestly,
1: ha- I, like, I like Tremont better than Carson. I think Tremont's been killing it. There's a really good article that just went up on uh, the SB Nation uh, G League site. It's called Ridiculous Upside, uh, really covering Tremont. And talking about why he's one of the most entertaining players in the G League, and he's just been killing it with 23 points. Um, or in, in the two games during this week, he has 23 points on 40% from three. Um, he he's just absolutely ridiculous at times, and he's entertaining. I think that he reads the floor really well. I know that I obviously know uh, that he's small. He's five eleven, but he's a really smart defender. He's pesky. Um, I definitely would like to see more Tremont minutes if he can find a role here. And I know that Wanamaker is kind of consistent and that's not exactly what you would expect from a rookie. Um, and there's something to that consistency. Like I said earlier, I think that, uh, Brad is one of the very few bench guys that really is consistent on this team, him and Cantor. Uh, so I get it, but I would like to see Traymont get a bit more opportunity here and there.
0: Oh, me too. He can make things happen out of nowhere, dude. He's um, he's another like little pit bull, dude. He runs the floor so well, and I think he can run an offense. I think he's more than capable of that. He's yeah. a very humble guy as well. Like um, CLNS Media do a really good job of putting out post and pre-game interviews and like recaps and stuff. And they've had a few times where they've had Traymon on one of their post-game interviews, or they've put up some footage of an interview that he's partaking in. And he's just humble. He can drop 20. He can drop 25. It doesn't matter. No matter what, he's always looking to the next game. He's always looking at how he can improve. And I know a lot of these guys say it, but you can tell the ones that mean it and the ones that are saying it just because that's what they're meant to say, right?
1: Right. And you can tell. I mean, you we watch the games, obviously. We're keeping up with these guys.
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind asking him myself, but, you know, uh, one baby step at a time but um (laughs) (laughs) just a little pitch but no he's um he's in in my eyes he's kind of winning minutes over Carson Edwards which is hard especially being on a two-way I genuinely believe that he if they don't call him up to give him like a a guaranteed contract next year then they'll definitely because two-way contracts are one year at a time so I do think they I'd explore a, a way to keep him around in the Celtic system uh, moving forwards.
1: Yeah, I think that he is going to be on this team for a good bit of time. And uh, yeah, I think that there's an interesting little bit of promise there with him. Um, what else do you got here, man?
0: I'm pretty much done, dude. I mean, I've put my point forward about having Gordon Haywood run as the point forward. See what I did there? And um. Did you see what I did there? Uh, oh,
1: now I know. Now I put my point forward
0: second. about how, yeah. Come on, dude, you had, you've got a history Whoa. in rap music, guys. Brendan's Whoa. got like diss tracks and everything cut somewhere. SoundCloud, dude, SoundCloud.
1: It's complicated. <laughs> Listen, if somebody wrote a diss track to me, I'm not just gonna sit there. I mean, I did. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh my god. Yeah, that's a different story for a different time. <laughs>
0: But uh nah, guys, it's uh that's pretty much all we have for you. I'm sure there's gonna be something that happens over the weekend. We'll be back. We missed one in the week. Uh we're just getting used to the rotations, um bedding Justin in slowly. He's still getting used to doing all this stuff. Brendan is on basically like a two-way contract himself now, so we we'll hear from him every week, but we just don't know which day he's gonna be needed to be called up. But I know you all like Brendan, so we'll definitely make sure he's still around doing his thing. And we'll be back later in the week. Until then, everybody keep their eyes on the trade news because it's just going to keep heating up at the moment.
1: Oh, yeah. It's exciting. I love keeping up with this stuff.
0: Me too, dude. Me too. So thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back again later in the week. Until then, keep checking out Celtic's blog. Go out and check their partners, CMS Media. Fellow Brendan, he's doing some great stuff. Um, He seems to be kind of trying to walk this fine line about reporting about the Celtics and the Kings all in one tweet. And uh, I'm all for it because some of them are great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a lot of uh, Kings fans over there as a uh, very depressed franchise are not happy with me and think that I'm spoiled because I uh, grew up with the Celtics. So I get teased for it and then I throw little shots here and there.
0: Brendan and I might actually be in Boston soon as well, so um Oh yeah. We'll be doing we'll uh we'll be doing something to, to come to celebrate that, not commemorate, celebrate that when that happens. Until then guys, peace. Brendan, make sure you say bye to the lovely listeners.
1: Later, people.
0: Oh word of the day.
1: Oh shit. Oh: uh.
0: Rummy word of the, English word of the day, right? True. Tara. T- what? Tara. There you go.
1: Tara. What is that?
0: It's like goodbye.
1: Oh, they, perfect. Well, Tara, everyone.
0: Tara, guys. Tara.